What's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's uh, radio show into the podcast form. We appreciate that. It is brought to you by BetNow.eu. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. It helps us out a lot as a grassroots operation. I'm using those guys for my Big 12 bets. I hope you do as well. BetNow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND, and... Please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And if you screenshot me your review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, that's M-U-N-D-O, Pete M-U-N-D-O at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Hell of a deal. You can't beat it. It'll take you two seconds. I appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the show. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody sing. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes down, They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! Well, in many ways, it was a weird weekend for the Big 12 Conference, a weird week for the Big 12 Conference, and we have a ton to dive into throughout the show. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, whether it's through the radio show, through the podcast, whatever it might be, uh, we appreciate you coming on in. HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So you only had two games last week. You had OU crushing TCU. You had Kansas at Texas Tech. Not all that interesting, neither overly entertaining. OU TCU was for a couple of quarters, but that was about it. What I took out of this week was, first off, the Texas Tech-Iowa State game this weekend is fascinating on many levels. It tells me, potentially tells me, which one of these two teams is going to have the ability to compete and potentially be uh, the team that shocks the conference and maybe is that dark horse in the Big 12. OU, the defense, made halftime adjustments against TCU, something that Mike Stoops seemed unable to do many times, and rolled to a win. And it's amazing, too, because you think about Oklahoma – and you're like, geez, they scored 52 points. That's what this team does. But I did not come out of that game thinking to myself, geez, TCU can't play defense. I didn't. <laughs> I thought TCU actually played kind of well defensively, and they still gave up 52 points against this Oklahoma offense. That's how good this group is. That offensive line is outstanding, and it should be commended. But uh, this schedule that the Big 12 sets up, where they have a handful of these Thursday night games, which I don't mind. I really don't. I don't mind these Thursday night matchups. I think they're good for the conference, get some primetime action, and there's a lot of intrigue around them. So I don't mind them one bit. 
And I think Dana Holgerson put it best when talking about these Thursday night matchups, how the Big 12 does them, and how they get them all set up. You know, I like the way the Big 12 does it. I mean, we're, we're going to play. Everybody's going to play on a Thursday night, or most everybody's going to play on a Thursday night. But it's always following a bye week. So sometimes bye weeks can be too long, you know, especially coming up, uh, coming out after a loss or if you have a lot of momentum. You don't want that bye week, and you want to get you want to get planned. So sometimes those things can be too long. Um, you know, I liked how this one set up. You know, we had we didn't play very good at Iowa State, and we need to get out there and play. But we had a few things that we had to fix as well. So, you know, uh, playing on Thursday after not playing the previous Saturday, I think is the best way to do it. And I'm with Dana Holgerson a hundred percent there. I really do think that it is. A great opportunity to get the Big 12 in primetime. And yeah, I know the Big 12 doesn't get enough primetime action and enough primetime love on Saturdays, it feels like. Think about it. I mean, even the West Virginia-Iowa State game, sure, that was FS1, but it just feels like you have not gotten a lot of those primetime Fox, ESPN, ABC slots, and that's just whatever. That's how those networks do business. They have... Uh, a love affair and affinity for the SEC and the Big Ten that probably the Big 12 cannot ever penetrate. I'm fine being the underdog. I'm fine having the chip on my shoulder. And if it means we got to do Thursday nights, that's okay. The NFL's worthless anyway, for the most part. I- I'm not missing much. I'll pop down on the couch at 6 o'clock Central Time and watch a Big 12 game. I'm all for that. Breaks up the week. I like it very much. But it also, as Dana Holgerson said right there, that bye week can be a long time. You have kind of a week and a half, work out some kinks, figure some things out, get a primetime matchup, and then you get kind of another mini buy on the back end. I think it's a great way and a great thing that the Big 12 does to help its teams out because they're also playing around Robin. You know, the Big 12 continues to not get enough credit for this in doing a true round robin schedule. And I don't know what else has to happen. I know the Big 12 does, in some ways, market itself as one true champion and all that, but they need to continue to pound that into people's minds. If I'm a Big 12 coach, every stinking press conference, whether I'm Matt Campbell, Gary Patterson, Lincoln Riley, although no one gives a more boring press conference than Lincoln Riley. Got to be honest, great coach, boring as hell in his Big 12 teleconferences. Oh, my gosh, I fall asleep basically every week over it. But – Every time you get in front of the podium. Yeah, round-robin schedule in the Big 12. Yep, round-robin schedule. When's Alabama playing uh, Georgia next in the regular season? 2028? Great. Round-robin schedule. That's what I do. It's how they should do it, week in and week out. Yeah, I don't want to be the PR guru for the Big 12, but if I have to, I'll do it. I'll do it free of charge, too. You just got to listen to the show. That's all you have to do. That's it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. So David Beatty is now 0-4 in the Big 12, and it's just its not looking good. It's really not. You know, he had another 30-point loss to Texas Tech over the weekend, and frankly, Kansas should have been up in that game 14-10 to early on. They weren't. And here's what Coach Beatty, who, guy's on the hot seat as much as anybody can be on the hot seat. Here is what he had to say. On Monday in the Big 12 teleconference about just kind of where this team is, playing time, position battles, and things like that. 
Well, once again, you know, we continue to compete at all of our positions, and we're going to continue to do that, you know, from this point going forward. We'll look at who has the best week, and we'll make a decision going from there. Well, whatever competing Coach Beatty is doing is not working. It's just not. This team is terrible. Has it gotten a little bit better? Sure, it's gotten a little bit better. Our own Derek Duke wrote about this on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You know, the margin of defeat in Big 12 Conference games since David Beatty took over. 2015, 35 points. 2016, 25 points. 2017, 32 points. And this season, 22 points. So it's gotten better. And the total offense and total defense rankings have also improved. But right now, KU's recruiting ranking is 169th in the country. 169th. There's only, what, 120, 130 Division I FBS teams. That's a disaster. And this KU team has a lot of seniors on it, too. So it's not like this team is getting better with a bunch of sophomores and juniors. It's getting better with a bunch of seniors. I just I don't see how things get better from here. And I don't mean better this season. I mean better under David Beatty's watch, under his tutelage. That's where I'm struggling with this team and for this program. Oh, and I want to see him do well. I've said this from the get-go. I want to see David Beatty succeed, but I have a very difficult time seeing how that happens. I just do. And it's not like I'm proud to say it. I'm not. But I'm also not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, the team is just bad, and the program is bad. And, uh, you know, I think Clint Bowen has done a good job with the defense with what he's got. But I don't know how this entire staff under Jeff Long uh, justifies moving on. Jeff Long, of course, being the new athletic director formerly of Arkansas. I'm already hearing some rumblings about Bobby Petrino. Get him out of Louisville. Put the band back together. Get him to Lawrence, Kansas. You know, with some of the text messaging stuff going on with Bill Self, let's not bring in a guy like Bobby Petrino right now who, you know, in hindsight, with all the things that go on in college athletics, is riding around on a motorcycle with your mistress the biggest deal in the world. It's a character flaw, sure, but I think we overlook a lot bigger character flaws of head coaches across the country in football and basketball. But I probably would avoid Bobby Petrino at this time unless he truly is a remorseful man and looking to really just move on from where he was in Louisville. Things have gone south a little bit there. But if you get a guy like him, and I'm not saying you're going to, I've just heard that name rumbling out there. That could be intriguing. It could. And I don't think the Big 12, no matter what happens here, I don't think the Big 12 returns in 2020, or excuse me, 2019, with the same group of coaches it has right now. I don't see it. I know all 10 guys came back from 17 to 18. We were not sure if that was going to happen, even late last season with what was going on at Kansas and Texas Tech. But I'm telling you, one of the two Kansas coaches, if not both, whether it's Beatty, Snyder, one, the other, maybe both, not going to be on the sideline next fall. And Cliff Kingsbury is looking more and more like he's going to be somebody who is still going to be around. He's at five wins this season, and he's got a brutal schedule coming up with Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas. If he wins one of those, he's six and four going down the home stretch when he's got Baylor and K State. If he gets to eight wins, hey, seriously, if you have Cliff Kingsbury going eight and four, 
I, they're going to give him a 10-year contract. Going to make Jimbo Fisher look like chump change in Lubbock. That's what's going to happen there. I mean, they want that guy to succeed. I want him to succeed, and I love it. Big 12 teleconference every Monday. Cliff Kingsbury is such a damn gentleman. He says, yes, sir, after every question or whatever it might be. I, he's an easy guy to root for. But I'll tell you what, and I'll get to this coming up. Recruiting's difficult when players in this early signing period don't know if you're going to be around. I'll explain it. We'll dive into that. Also, some breaking news this week from heartlandcollegesports.com. It's all coming up on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So here at Heartland College Sports, we had some breaking news in the Big 12 this week that we brought to you. Welcome on in. I'm Pete Mundo, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, our Big 12 independent digital media outlet. We appreciate you joining us on radio, podcast, wherever it might be. So uh, earlier this week, Kevante Turpin, Kevante Turpin, the TCU stud wide receiver, was arrested on assault charges. Now, as I got tipped off to, and obviously not going to give up my source, learned that this was not Turpin's first run-in with the law. In fact, it was not his first run-in on assault charges. Turpin was arrested back in New Mexico in March at 2.20 a.m. in Las Cruces, also for battery of a family member, similar to the allegations and the charges that came this past weekend when he was charged with, uh, with assault. Now, I thought this was interesting because here's what Gary Patterson had to say on Monday in the Big 12 teleconference after the most recent assault charges were announced against Turpin. Here's what Gary Patterson had to say about that. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's suspended. He know, you know, everybody knows how I handle things like this. Anytime we ever have a situation. So uh, my track record usually speaks for itself. You can go back to, and so, you know, we're gathering information, but at this point in time, I, he won't, he probably won't play against Kansas. Um, so, uh, I have not got the uh, – we have not received anything as far as information, police report or anything else. So uh, at this point in time, uh, he knows of, uh, how that all goes. Okay, so I sit here and I say to myself, well, which one is it, Coach Patterson? I, you had this guy arrested for battery back in March. Nothing that the public knows was done about it. There was no game suspension or even half suspension. Nothing along those lines. So which one is it? Obviously, I assume you knew about this, but what's the deal? Now, it turned out this week that Patterson kicked him off the team. Kevante Terman was kicked off of TCU, and that was the right move. It had to be done, especially after we uncovered the second arrest of the past few months for the same assault charge. You could not have that guy on your team. I don't care that he's the best kick returner in the Big 12 and maybe the best kick returner in all of college football. It is irrelevant at this point. You can't take that risk with that guy on your campus. God forbid he does something to a woman on your campus, and you're going to have the football program liable, the head coach liable, and the university liable. And TCU cannot take that risk. They can't. In fact, no program should be. doesn't matter how good you are at football. There has to be a line. And TCU and Gary Patterson, I'll give him credit, he made the right call here. 
Kevontae Turpin could not stay in this team. He could not stay with this program. And you know what? I feel for the guy in some aspects because he threw away a great career. But he's got no one to blame but himself, and he's got to look in the mirror and say, I screwed this one up. I made the mistake. It's nobody else's fault. I made the mistake. You did not lay your hand on a woman, and that's it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, You just can't do it. And it's hard to have a whole lot of sympathy for the guy. It really is. So Kevontae Turpin out at TCU. And also, it was a chance for Patterson to do the right thing during a lost season. I don't want to say it comes down to wins and losses. I don't know if this team was 7-0, if the answer would be different with Kevontae Turpin. But you're 3-4. and four. You're going to make a bowl game at best. Do the right thing. Make a stand. Show your team. Show your program. Show the Big 12. Show the country that you're not putting up with a guy no matter how good he is. You're not putting up with a guy that's been arrested twice for assault and battery. You cannot have it. So I'll give some props here to Gary Patterson for the decision that he made. It's unfortunately a decision that was the right one, or it's unfortunately a decision that he even had to deal with that this happened. But that is what it is, and at this point, TCU has to move on. What happens to Kevontae Turpin? I don't know, but it's uh, it's not going to be TCU's problem anymore. It's not, nor should it be for that matter. It really should not be at all. Well, You know, as we talk about coaches that are on the hot seat in the Big 12, we mentioned Cliff Kingsbury, although he's starting to get off the hot seat. That seat's getting cooler for Kingsbury. We talk about David Beatty. And not that Bill Snyder's in a hot seat, but what's his future? This early signing period has affected a lot of programs because now the season can't end, you can't fire a coach, and then, okay, you got two months to put together a recruiting class. You have that early signing period right before Christmas where a lot of guys sign. They want to be done with this recruiting process. They want it over and done with. And that's a challenge because if you're going to fire your coach, frankly, the best time to do it is probably like now because then you can be transparent about, yes, I'm looking for a new head coach. Who can we get in here? When can it happen? But this early signing period when a lot of guys want to be signed by, it's difficult to do that. Very difficult to do that if you're looking to move on. So here's what Cliff Kingsbury had to say. He was asked about that this week. Here's what he had to say about that early signing period. Yeah, I think for the most part, um, you know, what it's done is it's it's made them handle their recruiting earlier. And so a lot of young men now are taking their visits in the spring. They're taking their visits during the summer. And, and so by that time, they're they're pretty much over it is what we found. And so they're, they're, they're ready to get it done. And heck, if I'm a four or five, whatever, even a two, three-star guy, I'd want to be done by Christmas. I'd want to be done getting harassed by coaching staffs around the country. I want to move on from this whole darn thing. But it's difficult if you're a head coach and you're on the hot seat and you're like, yeah, I want to recruit you. Well, you got to be there, coach? Uh, I think so. Now, Kingsbury's got himself in a pretty good spot. I was looking at the recruiting rankings. Kingsbury's got himself right now, yes, he's ranked eighth in the Big 12, which is not good. Eight of ten teams. But he's 45th in the country, which is kind of where Texas Tech usually ends up in terms of national recruiting rankings. And his top recruit, Cliff Kingsbury's top recruit, is a guy named Stephen Parker, who's a – no, he's not a wide receiver, not a quarterback, not a running back, not an offensive tackle, a defensive end. Cliff Kingsbury's got himself 
a defensive end. That's his top recruit, four-star guy out of South Oak Cliff in Dallas. And his second highest-ranked player is Gilbert Ibanim. I apologize if I screwed that up there, Gil. He's also a defensive end. Uh, goodness gracious. He's actually got a pretty solid class for a guy who might not have a job, but it's once again, it's looking more and more like Cliff Kingsbury is going to be employed, which is, I think, a good thing for Tech and a good thing for the Big 12. I like having him around here. I just want to see him win. You have Kansas State that's got eight commits at the bottom of the Big 12 rankings. Well, they would be if it wasn't for KU, who's really at the bottom with one commitment. I mean, one commitment for Kansas. It's horrible. It's really, really bad. Yeah, KU, the one commit, running back Cole Muller or Mueller from Wentzville, Missouri. Three-star guy. Uh, Cole, God bless you, buddy. You might be playing football by yourself in a couple of years if you're the only commit that hangs around. <laughs> no, I, I, I want to see all these Big 12 teams do well, but the recruiting scene has taken a real turn here. And it's been good for a lot of programs as well because now they can lock their guys up early. So instead of at the end of the game, you know, the Blue Bloods like Alabama and um, yeah, they throw in OU, Texas come in and they take a guy away from a mid-tier team like an Oklahoma State or a Texas Tech. Those days are now over with this early signing period, which is a, a very good thing. But it does create a unique situation for coaches that might not be there next season. Pete Mundo here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. We're part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Coming up, let's get into it and preview week nine in the Big 12. It's all next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, finally, we got a full slate of football back in the Big 12 this week, and I was jonesing last weekend. Sure, I had my parents in town, so it... Took a little bit of the sting off, but I was jonesing for some Big 12 football. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. We appreciate you joining us, our Big 12 independent digital media outlet. Okay, so four Big 12 games this weekend. And the most intriguing to me is Texas Tech at Iowa State, the 11 a.m. kickoff Saturday. And here's why. I wonder which one of these teams, if either, can be a dark horse contender in the conference. I'm very intrigued by the possibility. I know that it looks like we're going for a showdown of Texas-Oklahoma Big 12 championship rematch. Maybe West Virginia has something to say about that. But right now, the money's on Texas and OU. But what if Tech can give a run for the money? What if Iowa State? I know Iowa State has a couple of Big 12 losses. But what if they can make a little bit of noise? If Iowa State potentially, I don't know, runs the table per se. Not going to say it's likely, but... Brock Purdy's pretty darn good. Ah, that was corny. But it's a very interesting matchup because it tells you which team in this Big 12 conference is going to be the second-tier team in the Big 12, the, the, the leader of that second tier, which is what makes this game so fascinating to me moving forward. And it's also the battle of the true freshman quarterbacks, Alan Bowman against Brock Purdy. That's a really interesting storyline in and of itself. So I've gone back and forth on this game. I've flip-flopped on this game as the week has gone on. But I think Texas Tech ekes out a field goal win, and there's a couple of reasons why. First off, Tech has one of the best red zone defenses in the entire Big 12 conference. 
And that's something that I don't think people give them enough credit for. That being said, Iowa State has a very good red zone offense, but they haven't gotten there a lot. They've only had 16 tries inside the red zone. So Iowa State is built on its defense. Texas Tech also has a very good defense. And frankly, I just think that Tech goes into this game more experienced, with a little more mojo, healthier as well. And I feel good about the Red Raiders behind this Cliff Kingsbury-led team going on the road, picking up the win in Ames. I think the early start negates the home field advantage in some way at Jack Trice Stadium up in Ames, Iowa. And I do believe that the good mojo continues for the Red Raiders. They go up there, they pick up a win in Ames, and you know what? Alan Bowman looked better against Kansas as he came back from that injury, that collapsed lung. He got his reps back under him. And also, the secondary has struggled at times for Texas Tech. But don't just look at the pass defense, which is the worst in the Big 12 in terms of yards given up per game. Pass defense efficiency, Texas Tech is fourth in the Big 12. And its rushing defense has also been, you know what, pretty good. Third in the conference. So no one wants to talk about the Texas Tech defense, but I'll tell you what. It's good. It's one of the best in the Big 12. It's come a long way from the Ole Miss game where they also had a couple of guys that were injured in that one and did not play. It's come a long way from there. So I like Texas Tech to go to Ames and pick up the win. Meantime, you've got uh, TCU at Kansas. I, I don't know how much time we have to spend on Kansas preview games, but the Jayhawks are going to lose this game. Even though Michael Collins is at quarterback for TCU, Sean Robinson done for the year with an injury, I don't think that hurts him. In fact, I think Michael Collins is a really good quarterback and is somebody who should be the starter, even if Sean Robinson was healthy. I liked what I saw to him last week against Oklahoma. So TCU is going to take some frustration out on the Jayhawks. They'll beat up KU in Lawrence, even though, don't forget this, KU has given TCU some trouble in the past in these games. They've almost pulled off a couple of upsets when TCU has been really good, but not this year. TCU's got a lot of frustration to get out. They're playing the right team at the right time. Michael Collins coming in, looking to prove himself at quarterback, and TCU stomps over KU a final of 45, let's say 45 to, you know what, I'm going to change that. I'm going to say 35 to 10. KU's offense is inept. It is just so inept. 35-10, TCU on top of KU. Oklahoma hosts Kansas State. Yes, K-State's coming off its bye week, but uh, K-State is not a good football team. Bill Snyder's teams get better as time goes on, but this team doesn't have the talent. It just doesn't. You know, where K-State is good is in its pass defense, but here's the thing. OU runs the ball. Even with Kyler Murray at quarterback, they run, 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 and then they use that to set up the pass. We know he's the top rushing attack in the Big 12. When it comes to rushing defense, K-State's got the second worst rushing defense in the Big 12. OU's going to be home. They're going to stomp on K-State. I know it was kind of close last year when these two teams met in Manhattan. That's not the case this year. Bill Snyder's team is just not that talented. It's not that good. And Kyler Murray continues to prove that he's a legit Heisman contender next to Tua Tugavailoa. The Alabama quarterbacks say that one 10 times in a row. And the defense will make strides as well. Ruffin McNeil got the first game under his belt as the interim defensive coordinator. And OU will take care of K-State at home, a final of 49-24. to 
There you have it. OU stomping K-State. And last but not least, last but not least, we've got the night game, Oklahoma State's homecoming. They host the Texas Longhorns. Sam Ellinger expected to be back at quarterback. That is a very good thing for Texas because Shane Bouchelle, great guy, impressed that he hung around for the program. He didn't transfer like a lot of guys would have done after losing out on the starting job, but he just he's a drop-off. I don't know if he was nervous a couple of weeks ago against the Bears or what, but he's a drop-off at that position. And Texas is playing some really good football. They're coming off a bye week. I know both these teams are, but they're coming off a bye week. There's no reason for Tom Herman's team to be caught looking ahead. And the defense continues to get better and better. On top of that, Oklahoma State, uh, the, de- the offense does not look like it's tailor-made for, no pun intended, Taylor Cornelius. It just does not look like it's tailor-made for him. It looks like Mason Rudolph's offense that Taylor Cornelius is trying to run. He's not a deep-field, accurate thrower. He's just not. And what Oklahoma State can do well is run the ball. Problem is, they're going up against the second-best rushing defense in the entire Big 12. Make Taylor Cornelius try to beat you down the field. That's what Texas is going to try to do, and it's just its not going to work for Oklahoma State. Texas will win this game a final of 31-24 to over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Check out heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you soon. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right.